0: Pastor Ed Taylor makes this observation as we begin another Abounding Grace broadcast.
1: You know what's happened in this, in the last 10 years, the last 10, 15 years, is that social media has created a group of unruly Christians that are posting things that are absolutely antithetical to the love, mercy, and grace of Jesus. And not only are people posting that, but Christians are agreeing with it. I go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And your responsibility is warn them. You just go, you might do a private message. You could do a public review, but a private message. What are you doing? Why are you lying? Why are you gossiping? What, why are you saying this? Where is that in the Bible?
0: This is amazing grace. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Well, here we are in the month of October. And for as long as I can remember, it's been designated as Pastor Appreciation Month. And I think you'd agree, our pastors, missionaries, and leaders need encouragement. If you want to be a big help to your pastor, keep listening. That's what today's message is all about as we return to Hebrews 13.7.
1: Listen, there's a relationship between the leadership and the flock that requires two things, mutual trust and mutual submission. And that just happens between us. But to cop an attitude where I don't have to submit to you, and here's what happens, people take, you know, they get mad, I don't submit to you, I don't have to do it, I'm going to go to that other church. Well, let me tell you something, when you get to that other church, if it's a real, true, God-honoring church, the same issues you had here, you're going to have there. You're not going to run away from your issues. You go, well, you know, it was Ed, 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 but maybe it was. But if you don't resolve it biblically, you're going to take it to the next church with you. And then you're going to get mad at that pastor. Well, I don't have to submit to you. And then you start going from church to church, all upset, all mad, all bitter. You won't submit to anyone. Whose problem is that? Well, it's yours and ours because you're our brother. You're our sister. And if the enemy can get you all bitter and angry and making submission an issue and this I don't like that I don't like then you hurt yourself and then when the bible the bible says when one part of the body hurts we all hurt and it hurts the mission of Jesus that's the issue it it hurts the mission of reaching the lost with the gospel and we want to be careful of all of these extremes and let me just say these two extremes as well can be taken by the leaders so it's not just everyone else, the pastors and leaders can make meaningful, extreme mistakes too. Pastors, you know, demanding to be treated like a celebrity, demanding special treatment, feeling entitled. I mean, I was reading recently, there's a church that, that segregated a section of their seating, which was basically up front, for VIPs. So if you were a VIP, then you got to, let me just set the record straight. There is not a VIP in the house today, ever. There is no, there are no VIPs at all. And if we did have a section reserved for VIPs, it would be empty until the coming of Jesus Christ because he's the only VIP that's available. That's nonsense. There, there was even in this, in this uh, church gathering, you know, they had, because we have a room in the back. It's called a green room. It's where worship teams get together. They prepare. They get a little breather before they come. There's green rooms. So there is such a thing. But this particular church had a green room of a green room of a green room. What was only specifically for a few people, celebrities, personal invites, you know, red carpet treatment where they were like, the Bible is absolutely, does not teach that. And it's certainly not that way here. We are all on the journey together. We don't have special chairs on the stage for special people. There are no special people here. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches, Jesus said that the way up in God's kingdom is actually down, not the other way around. That if you really want to be great in God's kingdom, and I think you do, and I certainly do, then I need to learn to be the servant of all. That's God's heart for us. And so the extremes can be taken. From us as well as leaders, and we want to stay away. Some, uh, whether it's demanding celebrity status or or some pastors, they take and they're just hard on people, and they're harsh, and they mistreat the flock, and they run, they they rule the church with an iron fist. I, I heard one pastor describe it as a benevolent dictatorship. If you're a part of a church where the leadership is a benevolent dictatorship, get out of that church. That is not the model of Jesus. There is no dictatorship. We're in this together. And we serve together. The difference is responsibility. And even the responsibility that I have today to stand before you and teach God's Word, the the authority that I come, the authority that I have is delegated authority. It's God's authority. And it's not to be taken lightly. And it's not for me to share opinions and thoughts. It's for me to give you the Word of God and deliver it in such a way where the heart and intent of God hits your heart and changes your intent so that you and I can grow together. So it's not just you, we as leaders and leadership structures can also fail. The Bible teaches you're not to worship or despise your leaders, but to recognize them, it says. To esteem them highly, to respect them. Why? Well, notice in verse 12, because they labor. That word means, if you wanna circle it, you can write next to it, work to exhaustion or fatigue. Ministry's hard. When Paul was writing Timothy, he told them, he told Timothy, if you desire to be an overseer, you desire a good work. It's work, literally work, to the point of tiredness and fatigue. Not only that, but also the first 13, for their work's sake. So the word labor in the Greek literally speaks of the end result, fatigue, but the word work speaks of all the little things that leads to fatigue. It's like the Holy Spirit wants us to know this is hard. I know it's easy to look at ministry and to look at those in ministry and think, labor? I mean, what do you do all week? I mean, seriously, what do you do? And a lot a lot of our interaction is simply right now, right? I'm up here for 45 minutes talking, and you're like, I could talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> but ministry is very, very challenging and difficult. And depending on how much responsibility you have, it only increases, it doesn't decrease. And And that's why there are men and families and people here to help me because I couldn't possibly do it all alone ne- never could never will be and there's a lot of pressure put on pastors and such but they're working their hearts They labor it's hard it's challenging you know occasionally someone will send in you know I called the church and I didn't get a call back and I always default, well, there's probably a good reason for that because everyone's trained to call back. Maybe they had a long week. Maybe they had a difficult week. Maybe they uh, did a memorial service, but out of that memorial service, it just wiped them out and depleted them emotionally. And you didn't get the call back when you needed or, or even on me personally, you know, it's like, hey, well, Pastor Ed didn't call me back. Well, you know, it, it was, I'm sure there was a good reason. It's not because I didn't want to but I can't possibly call back every single person all the time. And, and, and you go, well, Ed, you need to, it's you. You're the pastor. You should, you know, only you can give me advice. That's not true. The guys here, very faithful. Uh, the lay leaders here. I mean, you think of the labor of just the guys that are on staff. Think about the lay leaders here. Those men and women that work 40, 50 hours, 60 hours a week uh, working in the world, whatever there was, like many of us did before we came on staff. And then they come on Tuesday night and do a class. Or they come on Friday night or Saturday morning. They serve on Sunday service. Like it's work. Anyone served in a church, it is work. It's labor. And because of that alone, we're not to make it harder were not to make it harder. I remember this clicked in my mind when I was back at Calvary Chapel in Downey. The eight years that I was there, I worked a full-time job, and I served in a very full-time capacity at that church, eventually being the singles pastor there before I left. But I was working full-time, 24-hour-a-day job. I mean, I didn't work 24 hours a day, but I was always on call, always things going on. You never know when things are going to happen. And it was just like, in my mind, I remember God clicked in me that, I got this thought, and I think it was inspired by this passage in particular, that anytime time my name came up, maybe with, this, with my overseeing pastors or in a staff meeting, I just felt like any time my name came up, I wanted to be positive and not negative. I didn't want my name to come up and go, oh, it's Ed again. When's he going to get it? Why doesn't he listen? Why doesn't... Uh, I didn't want that. I want, with my name came up, I wanted to be a blessing to my pastor's ears. I wanted him to think to, to entrust more things to me, not less. I wanted him to know that I was there for him, that that God had called me to that church and saved me to support him and encourage him and to come alongside and make life easier for him. Because if I could take a few things away from his responsibility, that would free him up to do more on what God called him to do. And together we could serve. And there's just a healthiness when we partner together in the ministry. One of the ways that we describe it here at Calvary is that the unity among us is so important that we must lock shields together, like the Romans did in battle. They locked shields, and then they went for it forward, and they went together. It wasn't an individual thing. So let's look at some practical things before we leave. We esteem our leaders highly. They're worthy of it. Again, not be, let's be careful when we talk. It's not sin. You don't approve of sin. You don't overlook sin. You, you, don't, go, you, you don't ignore it. We, we, we have a, The Bible tells us how to handle problems in the church. It's called Matthew 18. Jesus said, go to him, you and him alone. Share your offense. If your brother hears you, you've won your brother. So we don't overlook abuse. We don't overlook mistreatment. No, never, ever, never. But aside from those sinful qualities, when there is good, godly spiritual leadership in a church, that is to be matched by good godly spiritual submission. Those two go together, and we grow together. So notice now in the end of verse 13, one of the greatest things you can do uh, to be a help and support to your pastor is to be at peace among yourselves. <laughs> that, that would be beautiful. If you would just be at peace among yourselves, that includes your marriage. Just be at peace in your marriage. Be at peace with your kids. Be at peace with your in laws. Be at peace at work. I, I, I've, I've had many calls come through the church over the years of somebody at an employer, some coworker calls in and says, You know, I've been dealing with this guy, he, and he says he goes to your church. <laughs> and I'm like, Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. <laughs> But, like, your testimony matters. You're wearing that little hoodie or giving away that magazine or dropping that pen somewhere. Your testimony matters. And so the best thing you can do is be at peace with one another. That would would relieve so much tension and pressure in any church. Be at peace. Don't fight one another. Don't backbite. Don't gossip. Like, let's be at peace with one another. And then he gives some practical ways to do that. So he says in verse 14, we exhort you, or we strongly encourage you. Or you could say, I beg you. This is so important. Number one, warn those who are unruly. That's our responsibility. That's not just the pastors. You have a responsibility to warn the unruly. And then every church, there are unruly people, people that are disruptive, people that are hurting others. You might refer to them as wolves in sheep's clothing. You might refer to them to the gossips, the ones that are always backbiting, those are stirring up strife, or maybe in the world, what do we use that phrase? Always those pot stirrers. You know, there are pot stirrers in our church too. You know what you're supposed to do when you meet a pot stirrer? Warn them, exhort them, tell them, what are you doing? That doesn't reflect the, the mind of Christ. I think, even more so, you know what's happened in this in the last 10 years, the last 10, 15 years, is that social media has created a group of unruly Christians that are posting things that are absolutely antithetical to the love, mercy, and grace of Jesus. And not only are people posting that, but Christians are agreeing with it. I go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And your responsibility is warn them. You just go, you might do a private message. You could do a public review, but a private message. What are you doing? Why are you lying? Why are you gossiping? What, why are you saying this? Where is that in the Bible? But instead, if you're not careful, it's not, our flesh is just so sneaky that maybe an unruly person on social media has made you unruly. And then we as pastors have to deal with the fallout of that to keep people's eyes on the Lord. So we need to warn them. Secondly, notice he says, we're also to comfort the faint-hearted. You wanna help your leaders be a comfort to the faint-hearted in your church. Just as there are unruly people among us, there's probably far more faint-hearted people among us. The, the word literally means soft soul. There's a sensitivity about that person. You know, you could say that their emotions go up and down like a roller coaster. And you know well as I do that there's no one size fits all for Christians. We all have different emotional makeups and different, different approaches to life. And some are just more in tune with their emotions than others. And because of that, they go up and down and they're hurt very easily. What's our responsibility? Our responsibility is not to make fun of them or try to change them. Or Our responsibility is to comfort them. You could do a lot of good in this church if you would learn to comfort the faint hearted. Not to look down on them, but rather to put, them, put your arm around them. Encourage them. You know, that, that those that easily are discouraged. Those that want to quit. Those are more soft-souled. We're not to write them off. You're important. Maybe that's you today. I just want to val- validate and remind you of your importance in the body of Christ. That God gave you your emotions. Yeah, sometimes they're sideways up and down. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. I actually literally understand that on a personal level. But God is faithful. And you're needed here. That sensitivity, you sense things that we don't sense. We want you here. And I pray that you meet people that will comfort you and encourage you in this journey that you're on. It'll help your leaders. Thirdly, notice it says, uphold the weak. We have a responsibility to uphold the weak. These are Christians that are younger perhaps, maybe newer believers, or maybe just not matured through the years. They need our help to... They need us to help them stand strong in the grace of God. The idea is to hold fast the weak and not let them fall. To come alongside to rescue them. And if they do fall, you know, the Bible says though a man fall seven times, he'll rise again. Sometimes that rising again is because another believer came and helped them up. It's not like just got up on their own, but that we're there to look for those that have fallen or fallen away and to minister to them and uphold them and keep them strong. Putting your arm around them so you're a strength. Some in the church need this almost constantly. Some for just a short period of time. You know, when a huge crisis hits, you need help. Your sin has beaten you down, you need help. The problem is, is that people just aren't willing to admit it. And so they live in this torturous life of keeping things inside. Let's be the church where people can admit their weaknesses. So we can help them and not look down on them and belittle them makes me so mad when I hear pastors, and even in a joking matter, belittle people that Jesus died for. You're no joke to the Lord. You're important. You're valued. And the church can be much stronger as we realize that together. And we grow in grace. And then notice what Paul says at the end. He says, here's another exhortation, be patient with all. That's really great. This is really encouraging to me. Because some of these other actions, you know, the Spirit's going to lead you. But this one, be patient with all. It's so good that God requires from us something that He already gave us. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. Some translations, long-suffering. Man, that will help your pastors and leaders so much if you would just live patiently with each other, giving each other room to grow, to fail, to falter. Just being patient with one another. I, I think... And this last year facing the pandemic and such has given our church a few gifts. And one of them is our approach in the very beginning was what? We encouraged three things in the very beginning and they're not going to leave just because the pandemic ends. And that is we're going to show preference to one another. We're going to be patient with one another and we're going to live in humility toward each other. I mean, that's not just for crisis, that's for life. I mean, some of you, if you look in front of the chairs, you probably still have a sign hanging in there that's still there. Because we're not leaving that. We're going to keep those attributes as an emphasis of our ministry. Because that's what God needs in great crisis. But not, not what God needs, but what he requires in great crisis, but also in everyday life. Be patient with all. And then he ends with the biggest one, doesn't he? He says, see that no one, verse 15, renders evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. So don't render evil for evil. Revenge is such a natural response when you're hurt. So I'm gonna get get revenge. The problem is, is that's not the heart of God, number one. And number two, even if you did get the kind of revenge you're looking for, you won't be satisfied. And neither will you be healed. Because here's what happens, you're already hurt and already experienced great trauma. When you enact trauma and hurt to the one that hurt you, you're just adding sin upon sin. And you're having your own issues. Now you have to deal with. Revenge is very simply not from the Lord. We're not to repay evil for evil. But rather we're to live in the love and the agape of Jesus. It's not the way of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, evil for evil is not what Jesus taught. Neither is it what he demonstrated. Jesus demonstrated that the reward for the evil perpetrated upon him was he willingly died. He wasn't hanging on the cross fighting for his rights. He wasn't hanging on the cross calling for protest. He was hanging on the cross ministering to the guy next to him, which we kind of see that in some way where it was very clean and antiseptic. But remember, Jesus was hanging on the cross, grasping for breath, beaten to a pulp where you couldn't even recognize him unless you saw him, unless you knew him previously, and he's choosing to use his last breaths and words to minister to the people that are watching us. This. this is so important, to esteem our leaders highly in love, very highly, and also to exercise our spiritual gifts, to practically love each other.
0: We've been talking about the joy of supporting our spiritual leaders today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be right back to close things out for us. Today, we've learned how to love and serve our spiritual leaders. And if you'd like to hear this again, visit
1: AboundingGraceRadio.com. Hey, this is Pastor Ed from Abounding Grace Radio. And just want to let you know that I released a new book. It's called Face Your Fears. In it, I want to encourage you in all the difficult, worrisome things that are encircling our lives right now. Maybe you're feeling it yourself, fear, it's real. And fear and anxiety are at all time highs. As a pastor, I wanna walk you through as you consider your fears, that you might feel stuck, that the Lord would encourage you and strengthen you to respond biblically to the fears that are before us. And and I don't want people to make fun of you. Like It's not a bad thing to respond to scary things in fear. But here's the key. We want to be very careful how we respond. You'll learn all of this in this little mini book called Face Your Fears. You can get it on our website at calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. I think it'll be good for you, and I think it'll be really good to pick up some copies as gifts to encourage others in the Lord.
0: Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of listeners just like you. And as we continue delivering God's Word one verse at a time... We're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. As promised, here's Pastor Ed with some closing thoughts.
1: So let me say as we close that looking back at the 21-plus years that I've had the privilege of serving this church... It's an honor and a privilege to be a part of this church. I'm grateful for all the people that have come through through the years that we've been able to serve and minister to. Are we a perfect church? No, no. I'm here. You're here. Enough said. Of course not. But you know, there's it's just been a very gracious fellowship. Not not everybody, but most there have been those that have left and been upset. there are those that go and write all kinds of nonsense and false accusations on Facebook and all that stuff. That's that the Lord's going to have to deal with them. But that's a very, very small percentage of the many people we've got to serve over the years. You've been very gracious for with my family. You know, I think of that phrase "pastor kids." Do you know how much I hate that phrase? It's not fair. They're not pastors kids. They're kids. They're kids. That's it. They're kids. And for the most part in this church, except for a few exceptions, this church has been very gracious to my children. And I've been able to raise them into adulthood. You know, when you treat kids like pastor kids, you know what you do? You create this resentment and anger in a child where... Like, they, they, they have the great privilege of being in a pastor's family, but then people put pressure on them. And people, you can't act like that. Well, why not? Because you're a pastor's kid. And they're like, but I'm just a kid. I'm just a kid. I'm sorry. I didn't know what else to do. What do pastor's kids do anyway? And everyone has this opinion. But this church has been very gracious. And even though I've raised my kids into adulthood, it's still very important to me that you treat the kids that, that are in pastor's families here as regular kids because a lot of the pastors have little kiddos that they're raising. And they're not anything different than your kids. And our approach to kids is suffer the little children to come unto me, Jesus said. Kids are important. And we don't treat them like pastor's kids. They're just right. And how you've treated my wife. Another phrase is pastor's wife. Well, no, she's my wife. She was my wife before we got saved. She was my wife after we got saved. She was my wife before I was a pastor. She's just my wife. And she's a very valuable part of the community here. But she's not anything different because she's my wife. She's just a woman that loves God, has her has their ups and has her downs. And, she's, and I've always appreciated this church has been very, very gracious to our family. And I would expect that to be continued on in the men and women that serve with us. Well, now that we've
0: received the challenge to esteem our leaders highly, let's get out there and do it. Look for an opportunity to bless and encourage your pastor, their wife, and kids this week, and let us know how it goes. Then join us tomorrow for Abounding Grace, when Pastor Ed Taylor talks about grace that brings stability to your life. This is amazing grace.